Hello and welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madad. I hope everybody is doing great today. I have Ariel Flax. He is head of sales at ATG Digital. He is coming to us from South Africa, Johannesburg. Ariel, I would say good morning, but it's good evening. How are things? Fantastic. Thank you. Great to be with you. Great to feel like it's like it's the morning. Um, I've obviously had a full day yet, but uh, very excited to be with you. Uh, well, listen, I appreciate you uh, you freeing up some time here. Do me a favor, say hi to everybody and uh, provide a quick intro, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, hi, guys. So from my side, my name's Ariel Flax. Um, I'm not personal how you call me, but um, based in Johannesburg, South Africa, I look after the sales side at a company called ATG Digital. Um, we're in the software space. We look after access control more specifically. Um, and not only in South Africa, but but in Africa as well. So good to be here. Oh, good. Well, listen, I, again, thanks for the time. Uh, listen, Ariel, let's get into it. But before um, we move into the heart of the podcast, uh, I'm curious, uh, how are you doing right now? Um, how, how has COVID impacted you and your family and, and just even Africa in general? Because the podcast that I, I'd like to think I, I'm worldly, but truth be told, all the podcasts that I've run have really been North America and Europe based. And so uh, talk to me about how the, the last 90 days have been for you, your family, the team. What's going on? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we're obviously a few months behind the rest of the world from a, from a COVID point of view because we were, we were further away, you know, as a third world country. Um, it affected us a lot later. And and it hit us it hit us slower because we never had an, uh, you know the, we never had a lot of travel overseas a lot of people a majority of our population are um, you know are based in South Africa they don't travel so it did hit us late um, and we kind of at this time it was summer it's obviously we're just going into winter now we you know we kind of had the feeling it wasn't going to hit us um, there was this real feeling on the ground that it was hitting the rest of the world it was almost like a movie abroad and we were kind of saved from this um and even from a business point of view right up until may or the first weeks of may things were okay that the government had put us into lockdown we had very few cases but um economically you know we're a third world country we're not the strongest performing um from an economic standpoint but um, we, you know, we never imagined things could really get get a lot worse. So we were kind of, you know, thinking we had passed this. We weren't going to face this. Um, from a family side, also, I've got a little girl. Spend a lot of time with her. You know, getting touching base with the family, doing things at home. Um, but I, you know, we've obviously learned a lot. Um, I just think I've been in lockdown about six weeks. I've actually just come out of lockdown. And, and I've learned tremendous things about myself, about the family, um, and kind of rechanneling time. Um, it's kind of been a big standpoint, a big finding for me. You know, it's so funny that you say that uh, the, the mindset was maybe immunity to this before it actually hit. And, you know, I live in Canada, which is, you know, a first world country, and I live in Toronto, which is, you know, a pretty, you know, pretty good sized city. And my wife's a nurse. And I remember when this was coming down the pipe and it was, I'm watching CNN and, and you hear about this, but it was over in Asia and it's over in Europe. And I'm thinking, 
that's over there. It's fine. Like it's not not fine, but it's like it's not here. The, the U.S. had like nothing at the time. And I remember my wife, you know, saying to me, I, I went to her saying, hey, babe, I want you to, to look at this new website I'm thinking about doing here. What are your thoughts on, on my new design? She goes, what are you talking about? She says, don't you see what's happening? I go, what are you, what are you talking about? I said, this is a little pinprick, like it's a blip. Like, and then, of course, here we are 90 days later. And uh, how wrong could I have been? So anyways, uh, Errol, I appreciate uh, your commentary on that. I'm glad to hear that uh, all things considered, uh, you're doing okay and your family's safe and um, we're, we're getting through this. And so with that said, let's get into it then. So the title of the podcast is called Your Intention Matters. And as you know, uh, everything that you have is really built on what you've created and what you've earned and nothing's really been given to you. And so uh, I'm excited for you to share your story. You ready to go? Ready. Okay, so uh, let's go back to uh, your college days. And so your story is a little bit different, uh, at least in terms of uniqueness around where you uh, were actually working during your your education years as well at Boston City Campus in in Johannesburg. And so um, if you remember when you were when you were going through your schooling and when you're working at the same time, um, what was your vision? What did you think you'd be doing? here in 2020 do you remember what your, your thoughts were around your career i mean did you have head of sales in your capacity or was this just you kind of fell into it it's interesting um my dad's actually a doctor um you know my uncle's a doctor so we've got quite a few professionals around me um but you know at the time i was thinking my dad's got quite an entrepreneurial side to him and and i kind of always had this passion and being at you know my dad was trading but um, trading product, um, exporting, importing. And as I kind of grew up, I kind of had this, this, this um, deep, um, I would say deep passion for, for trading and for, for get, you know, trying to, get, in those times I could call it a businessman maybe. And I kind of had this passion and I, as, I, as I kind of got older, you know, I thought I'd become a professional and use that expertise to to grow my passion and to um and to get good at that um so i think you know especially back then especially in south africa south africa's got quite a, a professional um i could call it stigma a lot of guys become professionals it's got a very strong banking sector mm. very strong um doctors are very well known are very well you know they're well trusted around the world so I think those were the options, but um, head of sales certainly wasn't one. <laughs> and so, uh, so you're working during your, your education years. And when you finally graduated and finished, whether it be, I think it was, or we were talking about this 2013, 2014, given that range there. Um, what did you end up doing? Uh, what was your first you know, job, so to speak, you know, w- once you were finished your, your education? So, yeah, I went into a, a company called The Heaven Group um, at the time. And I just started, um, it was my first time, I wouldn't call it in a corporate environment, but to have my own boss, if I can call it that. And um, I was pleasantly su- surprised, you know, it was an eight to five. It was something quite strict, something I had to report, you know, my activities to. And at the time, I was doing more operations work, um, and, and I actually learned a lot. I remember, if I think back now uh, to, to then, um, I came in, you know, I was, I was young. I was quite, I wouldn't, you know, potentially aggressive. 
and I and I thought I knew what I was doing. And I remember going into to work and being taught quite a few things, um, even in a short space of time. So that was more in the operations side. It was um, through a friend of my father's, I think. Um, but I, but I learned a lot. And I remember the one thing I learned, which was quite important to me, was um, interacting with people and interacting with with people in the workplace. Um, people are trying to perf- you know put food on their tables, mm. um, and that was quite important. That was quite a big thing. I remember the, the Heaven groups got, had chainsaws um, around the country, around South Africa, and a lot of the staff we were dealing with were lower income staff um, from the rural areas potentially. And, and these guys were just trying to put food on the table. Very, you know, very basic. Yeah. I remember engaging. It was the first time I had done so. So there was quite a lot I learned back then. So Ariel, how did you, how did you transition into sales? Because as you mentioned, you know, head of sales wasn't really, you know, in your scope. And I imagine, you know, through your elementary school years and, you know, I have a six-year-old daughter and before the first day of school every year, we have this little sign that we create. I'm going into senior kindergarten or grade one and I want to be a blank, you know, when I grow up. And I don't know anybody who's ever filled that out at any point in their, in their adolescence saying, I want to be a salesperson when I grow up. So how did you, how did you find sales? You're right. You're 100% right. I mean, no one wants to be a salesperson at the end of that or, or no one thinks they want thinks. to be a salesperson. Um, and sales is the most, for me, I mean, even back then, sales is, uh, or, or the, the skills that form a, a, a good salesperson or, um, you know, the skills that go into, into building that kind of person, um, are skills that you could potentially need career. Um, if I think of a good accountant or buyer, they need to be able to negotiate. They need to be able to uh, pick up the phone. They need to be able to lead. Uh, they need to be able to, um, you know, be empathetic towards people. So I think those kind of qualities and those kind of skills that I that I learned initially, um, you know, were, were a big part in 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 seeing where my strengths were at the time. And, and was this in uh, was this still in South Africa? This was still in South Africa, although there wasn't much. Um, at the time, there wasn't really much um, much happening yet. The economy was still, well, it hasn't been too great, but at the time, it wasn't. Um, my family had recently, uh, or at the time, had uh, moved to, to Israel. And, and I thought it would be a good time to hop over and try to get onto um, a tech economy, so we used to call it, and, and try to get, get some experience. I remember thinking to myself, I just need to get in somewhere, just need to try to get into something. Um, and, and I just wanted to get a, you know, get, get, get somewhere and, and see what I could do. And so, so you actually picked up and moved, uh, but your family moved to Israel before you. And so what was that like? Uh, how did you, how did you handle your family leaving? And then how long was it before you decided to follow suit? Um, so it was difficult initially. Initially I was very excited. I thought I would, uh, have great. My own. yeah, great. Right. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. I thought I'd have my own place, um, <laughs> own life. But then I, I, after a few months, I, I noticed there was, there was something missing. Um, and I was putting everything into my work at the time at the Heaven Group, like I'd mentioned. Mm. Um, and I was quite passionate about it, but I needed something more. So 
I had countless phone calls. I remember some of my, my friends at the time and um, my parents. And eventually I decided, let me, let me go over there. Let me, let me see what's going on there. Um, and, and one of the big pushes at the time was South Africa, as I said before, wasn't in the, isn't in the best economic, um, you know, not one of the best economic environments. So there was a lot of, a lot of, um, there's a lot of doubt and a lot of, uh, you know, on the streets, a lot of people aren't so positive and weren't so positive, still aren't. And we're still in a great place, Mm. but that's another point. So eventually I, I made the move, um, and, and I just got stuck in. I just, you know, I brought this attitude, which typically a lot of South Africans do have. If there are South Africans listening to this. And then it's, it's something which is deep in me. It's called showing up to play. And, and I come with that every day. And, and I believe it's a choice. And I believe um, you can spot that in someone and, and you can work with that. And how old were you at the time? I was 23. So 23 years old. Uh, I, I haven't had the privilege of visiting Israel or South Africa or Johannesburg in particular. Uh, but I imagine from what I know, um, two vastly different lifestyles and cultures and, and countries in terms of way of life. And um, was did, were you familiar with Israel before you moved? I mean, had you been there before? Was it an easy transition or what was it more more challenging than maybe you thought it would be to integrate into that lifestyle? Um, look, South Africa's an interesting place because we we've got a lot of space, and um, we've got you know it's got a great culture, great um, very um, you know it's, it's very well known for its for its loving personalities, if I can call it that, or the culture is very warm. Where the Middle East is pretty hardcore. The Middle East is is guys who, who a lot of these guys have been just trying to survive, mm. um, and it's a hard culture. So initially, it was quite difficult. Um, you know, the people were a lot um, more to themselves, a lot more abrupt and very to the point, and trying to get by. Where South Africa, we were very much community living, um, very warm, very. Um, you know, there was a lot of, there was a, yeah, there's a lot go- going here. So initially it was hard. It was hard to leave my friends at the time, but um, my family was there and, and I was excited. I was excited to see what, you know, I was young. I wanted to see, to make something for myself, if I can say that. Yeah, show up to play, right? Correct. And I remember thinking, and, and as I was looking for jobs, I remember going for interviews and things weren't, uh, weren't happening straight away. You know, you, when you go up to interviews, you don't really know too much about the company. You don't know too much about what the roles are. You're just trying to get uh, spray and pray, if I can call it that. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to get things on the board. Um, and, and I remember going through the motions day in, day out, trying to get interviews, trying to go to jobs trying to meet people, network, LinkedIn. And, and I remember thinking to myself like this, you know, I've got to just come, show up to play every day and just go all in. Um, and, and I used to, as I said before, it was a choice. And I used to think to myself, you know, someone's going to gonna want some of this. Until eventually I got an interview at a, at a company. I remember going for the interview and, um, and and I remember meeting the CEO and he some 
remark at the time of he, he gave me the he said he's going to give me a chance mm. um and and i and i remember that quite clearly um and when i hired today i've, I've still got that memory in my mind and so Ari, how long uh was your your tenure uh in israel overall how many how long were you there was it a few months was it a few years it was a few years a few years it was about three years or so i actually got married there um and yeah i got quite immersed in the culture i wouldn't say immersed as an israeli mm-hmm. but um you know i got quite immersed i married a south african girl and and we you know we made friends we we got we both working um and we we started enjoying it um and i was very passionate about my work at the time and um and, and we're making you know making a life for ourselves over there okay so it's an interesting experience because you're in your mid-20s you you take a leap of faith to uh, to leave the, you know the, the city and country that you've known pretty much your whole life i'm sure you traveled a little bit maybe if you did but you're living there you move to a very different part of the world you have to integrate yes your family's there which is helpful but then you end up working and then you end up finding your wife and it turns out she's south african as well i mean how how, how i'm so surprised that would have happened for sure It is surprising, and my, my wife was actually studying. Um, she was South African studying over there, um, so it was surprising. I mean, there was it was quite interesting. Um, we actually knew each other from back uh, from back from South Africa. Oh no way! Um, what a small world, right? Yeah. So, so Ariel, what was behind your decision yeah, so- to actually move back to South Africa? Uh, did, did a company find you? Did, did you have to sell your wife on going back home? Did, was she the driving force? And what was behind your decision to leave and you know, kind of go back to South Africa? Interesting, because, you know, we, at the same time, we were, we were enjoying it there. There was something also missing. My wife's family was here. We both enjoyed South Africa. And, and I wasn't part of, if I could say my family were there, but I wasn't, you know, I'd moved on. So at the time we both felt it, it made sense to be here. We, we both knew the culture very well. We both, um, as I said, my wife's family was here and, and we thought we would go back. I, I continued actually working for my, the, the company in Israel at the time. And we were obviously earning a, the currency was a lot stronger. So that was in our, in our advantage. Mm. And I thought the company was giving me a chance, you know, they were giving me, they were carrying on, on, on what I was working, you know, and I would go work in a foreign country. It was almost like traveling um, and, and getting a free, you know, free ride. Um, yeah. When you moved back, did you already have a job or did you come back and then have to source a job? So I came back with a job ah. from, from Israel. Okay. The, the company had allowed me that there was an EVP sales at the time. And I sat with him. My numbers were, were quite good. Um, and I was very consistent. He knew I was there every day and he, he knew I, I had the company's back. Um, and, and I just, you know, I decided to take a, a chance because I still had the job. So, uh, so, so the company moves you back, uh, you know, great vote of confidence in you and an investment in time and, and obviously money as well to do that. 
talk to me about your decision to move on from them. Did uh, your current company find you? Did you raise your hand? What was it like to actually leave after a pretty good relationship? Also, very interesting because I was obviously in the SaaS world in, in Israel. The company, you know, I was in a, in a SaaS environment. There was a lot we were learning around, um, you know, leads and opportunities and pipeline and CRMs, which, thing, which South Africa wasn't doing. Mm. South Africa was very behind. Guys were still using Excel spreadsheets and, you know, and big blue chip organizations. So I thought to myself, I'm working at night. I'm working American hours. I'm working, um, you know, pretty much through the night. I thought to myself, let me let me try to do something in the day, just to to keep me busy and see what I can create here. Because the job from Israel won't last forever. Um, at the time, they were looking at selling. They were looking at raising a round, also, you know, but both. And and I thought, let me try build something. And I started reaching out to companies to to essentially be an outsourced SDR. Mm. They never knew it at the time. It was a lot high, sold it as a high level, um, you know, as a high level, basically creating opportunities for companies and selling them opportunities. And I started to do that. And that's kind of how I got into, got into my control. Well, that's, that, that, that's a pretty incredible story at, at really a pretty young age in terms of your life and also your career that, to have that much experience in, in two vastly different parts of the world. And what was the model that you said? Was it show up to play? Is that what you'd said? Or I want to make sure I get it right. You, you've got it right. You've got it right. Um, yeah, it was exactly that. I mean, look, there was a very old sales team, or not old, but very old school sales team <laughs> in this new company that I was um, that I was that I you know I was kind of consulting to, and they're very old school. The guys would and the girls would get into their vehicle, they'd go see their customers face to face, they would take notes on a spread on a piece of paper, and then they would send quotations and do the usual. But there was no real understanding and, and transparency from the director's point of views, from the shareholders. There was no real understanding of what they're actually getting up to. Um, and I came in there with an attitude of, um, of a, not really a thought leader, but that I knew something that, that these guys never knew. And I'd seen something and done something that these guys hadn't seen. Um, and I, and I came with that attitude. I came, you know, as a, I remember, and I came to, I came to, to like when I, I remember thinking about it at the time and I, and I just wanted to, to be a servant to these people. I wanted to help these people. And I came with that attitude and they accepted me quite, quite nicely. And that's kind of how I grew into it. Well, Ariel, I, I, I've enjoyed your story and I, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to be here. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was, it was great to be here too. Yeah, wonderful. I think we'll wrap it up uh, on, on that note. Uh, show up to play. I love it. Correct. All and, right. And, you know, very powerful to show up to play and you can always spot it. So. Thank I love you. it. Well, listen, everybody, thanks so much for being here again, Ariel. Thanks for the time. Uh, remember that your intention matters because that's the result that you'll tend to get. We're out of here and uh, we'll do it again next week. Be safe, everybody.